0: Yes, hello listeners. Welcome to the UK Scriptwriters Podcast with me, Tim Clegg. And me, Danny Stagg. We're doing another Zoom special and it's not just Danny talking to me from his, uh, from his study and we're all like, you know, just incestuous again. We've got a guest. We've yes. got a guest, uh, Deborah Haywood. Say hello, Debs. Ooh,
1: hello, duckies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so... We'll jump sort of straight. We'll jump straight into it because we've known you, Deborah, for many a year. Like I've known you about the same amount of time I've known Danny, uh, and yet our paths have crossed infrequently in that time. I suppose you might say. Yeah, I reckon
1: we've known each other since two thousand and six.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that seems five about or six right.
2: back in yeah. the old blogging days. Let me give a. Yeah. A brief intro of who you are, Debs, for people who may not know. Uh, Deborah is a writer and director who came onto the scene around 2006, I think it was, with your first short film, Mm. Lady Margaret, Uh, and you you made a few other short films, and you were um, one of the Screen International's stars of tomorrow, and then you went on to make your debut feature film, the very brilliant uh, Pincushion which you did two years ago now, was it? Or is it even three?
0: A bit more. Three. Uh,
2: three, yeah. 2018. See, we don't interview you when you're on the promotional trail. We interview you when it's three years later. <laughs> <laughs> that's our well, style. I'm glad,
1: you, I'm glad you finally got around to it. <laughs> yes.
2: But well, we like that then. It's more about talking about, well, what got you there? And then, you know, what has been the challenges and, and what's kind of next anyway. So, so that's, that's who you are Debs if I've
1: missed anything yeah no I remember I used to be in awe of you two I was just like oh god if I used to I be did like... you hear
0: that listeners did, yeah, you, hear, did not... you hear the used to be
1: yeah now I know that you're just pun life um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bad- badly behaved pun life yeah um yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's on your tagline.
1: <laughs> no no because you know you were like you were both up there and I was like and i been writing and not got anywhere or not, you know, and uh, you two had got, I think you'd got a BAFTA for writing, Tim, mm. and Danny, you were writing, I don't know, were you working in EastEnders or, uh, mm. no, you were at Film 4 or something like that, something very posh anyway, and I was like, God, if only, that's just feels so out of my reach. Um,
0: yeah. Well, let's... Yeah, so um, I'm, let's... Glad
1: that I, I'm glad I caught you off of it.
0: Well, exactly, and I, I, I think... Um... That, what you've identified there is um, something that I think a lot of writers, so, you know, a lot of listeners to this podcast will identify with, is that it seems that everyone else is doing better than you. You know? Yes. Does it not? Um, so, oh, so definitely. you know, I would be like, well, Danny's Danny's had a proper job in the industry. You know, he, he was working at, at, at Chan, Channel 4, you know, so it was like, oh, well, see, he's part of the establishment. I'm doing my writing but I'm an outsider. And then we would kind of both look at you and you looked always so confident online and so like um so determined and very sure of what you were doing and what you were saying. And then you got Did the screen, really? Yes. And then you got the, the Screen International you know, people of tomorrow, whatever it's called, that made it sound like you were a superhero team-up. And it was just like, oh, well, we're just a couple of schmucks mooching about and no one cares what we're doing. So it's it's always that um, impression, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but then tomorrow never came.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but tomorrow never dies. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. tomorrow was 10 years later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't that the truth as well, though, that these things take a long long time um, and we sort of say that Absolutely. to people but I don't think they always get get what we mean I mean they I'm guessing there's a lot of up and coming writing directors that might look at what you're doing and thinking oh well that's that's fine yeah just get a feature off the ground but I mean that was a long old journey for for yourself yeah. with a lot of dead ends and nearly made it along the way
1: so many and also I remember when I was at Derby University and I was doing creative writing. And I remember one of the tutors saying, oh, overnight success takes 20 years. And I thought 20 years, I'll be like 40 then. And, um, or older actually. And then it was, when I, when I properly started writing, uh, you know, trying to write, trying to get somewhere, it was 10 years from starting writing to making my first short. And then, twenty years from starting writing to making pincushion, and that the overnight success thing, if pincushion could have been a failure, so it 's twenty years to overnight failure, so you know you just don't know what it's going to wait, uh, which way it 's going to go, so I think that's that's why it's important to enjoy the process because um because, you, you, you know, you can't control the outline. It, the outcome. Well, you can but, you know, it doesn't mean that anyone's going to like
2: it or appreciate it.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: I mean, Let me take you back, Debs, um, yes. um, to the beginnings. To of the good days. old days. To the good old days. But um, even this might tie into some things that we talk about when we get to Pincushion. Um, so you're from yeah. the Midlands, from a small little town, if I'm going to say it correctly. Yeah. It Swadlington. Is it no, swaddling? It's,
1: swad, it's swaddling coat, but everyone calls it swad.
2: Sw- swad, you're a
1: swad. <laughs> you're a swad. I'm a swad gal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a and sorry, I'll take
2: you back to the time when you couldn't even get into a job at the biscuit factory, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 yeah, you take for it from Yeah, you, you take it from there. I mean, what what were you? What were your plans? How did you even get into making your first short film? All of that kind of crack. Okay, so I. Uh, I was bullied at school and so
1: I used to skive off all the time and um, hang out with glue sniffers in town and because I was bullied, um, I was on antidepressants and then when it came to doing my exams, I was just like, well, I can't go and do my exams because I've got no information to write in them so I'm just going to be sitting there because I've got nothing to, you know, I couldn't revise because I've done no work to revise from. So I didn't do my exams and so I was full of shame about that. And then I went to, but I was just like, well, there's not, you know, I'll go and work at the Biscuit Factory because that's what everyone does around here anyway. So, you know, it kind of didn't matter that much because my, you know, my mind was so small that it didn't, I didn't really know what you took exams for anyway. Um, I didn't know about university or, or anything like that. So I went to, the ex- uh, went to the biscuit all excited with my mate, my dad took us, <laughs> and, I, and I failed the test. Oh, God, and the shame of coming out and saying to my dad, I failed the test. And like, because like everyone, you know, you, you can like literally be a serial killer, murder, being in prison and work at the biscuit factory from prison with no arms.
2: I'm afraid um, to ask what the test was. Yes.
1: <laughs> it was is, lifting- th-
0: is this a biscuit?
1: <laughs> no, these ginger biscuits, and I can't stand ginger biscuits to this day. These ginger biscuits came towards you, and you had to like pick up a kind of them in a line without the packet on, and then lift them up and put them over on a conveyor belt, and then they got wrapped. But I couldn't do that <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> oh,
2: okay.
1: But now, when I look back, I think it was, well, I tell myself this, I, th- I think it was because I'm, I'm left handed. And it's all set up for right-handed people. But at the time I was absolutely devastated. And, you know, it just, my self-esteem was on the floor anyway. So it was just even worse then. And then I uh, got pregnant with my daughter, had a baby at 16 and I was like proper textbook. And I remember my mate going to, my mate went to Burton Tech and she was doing sociology. And I remember meeting her at one lunchtime with, you know, my, my baby and, um, So I remember saying to her, like, what's sociology? And she said, oh, it's all about like society and people and class and things like that. And, you know, we've been doing about class today and, um, you know, I'll be uh, working class intelligentsia because I'm a a student and I'm going to, you know, have a degree in that. And I said, oh, what am I then? And she says, oh, you're the underclass. (laughs) And I was, I'm burnt with shame. (laughs)
0: <gasps> I don't know, I'm laughing, but I tell you, I shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. You're, you're like a, I
1: know, I really I was so depressed.
0: You're a this
2: is England character is what I'm picturing. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah.
1: Thanks, oh. Danny. <laughs> insider,
0: <laughs> this is the best podcast ever.
2: It so is. So how are you funneling all of this um depressive energy into uh creativity?
1: Well, do you know what? I think because of my life, and I did have light like, struggles and, you know, different kind of lives. And I do think that it does mm. help your creativity. And also then... I was working in this factory and one of the blokes said to me, told me about his daughter going to do this access course in Burton College and, um, and that you didn't need exams to do it and that it gave you the equivalent of A-levels so then you could do a degree and be an English teacher if you wanted to be. And I was like, oh my God, because I'd always loved reading when I was little, you know, blah, blah, you know um, and I thought, God, I'd love to do that. Um, and I hated working in the factory, so I... I packed it in and went to Burton Tech and, um, and did my access course. And one of the modules was creative writing. Um, so I thought, oh, that sounds easiest, because I was, you know, really scared. And so I did it. And then that's when I realised that, oh, God, actually, you know, you can write poems about your experience and it, it means something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because it's authentic and real, it, people were responding to it. Um, and that was like a drug to me because, uh, you know, it was like uh, it was giving me self-esteem, even though I didn't know what self-esteem was at the time. Um, I can see now that it was fueling me and making me feel better about myself.
0: What, what kind of was your first um, experience in the script writing? Was it during that creative writing? Did they have a script writing element to it or was this later when you... Yeah no
1: at Derby there was a film script thing where you had to write a half hour script mm. but it was just one module and um i didn't i wasn't thinking then I, you know i wanted to be a poet or a novelist then uh and then i wrote two novels which was so bad that i put them in the recycle bin um and then i thought oh you know you know the people say write what you know write what you love mm. and i was i was by that time um, I was really really enjoying film and TV drama and um, so I thought well you know why don't and also my novels i noticed were um, I didn't like writing the description I was I couldn't be bothered um, I just wanted to write you know <laughs> yeah the
0: action, In- interior rooms. let's the get on with
1: it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to like, you know, walk through the green grass and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, So I thought, oh, maybe I'll be more suited to that. So that's when I started writing and I I wrote a TV drama and uh, a feature. And then I realised I was aiming too high and that actually nobody was going to let me in anywhere because I I was, you know, kind of, what's that word where you're like, nobody knows who you are and you've done nothing unproven or something like that.
0: Well, yeah, but that's where we all start though, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. What I started with in this conversation is the fact that, you know, you, you didn't really know anyone in the biz at all, obviously. And and I didn't and Danny didn't. And a lot of people think that that's a, a barrier to getting involved in any way, because it can feel like that at the start, can't it? You don't, you're kind of doing your own thing but no one seems to care or pay attention or is even wants to know and it can be a kind of quite a demoralizing time at that moment when you realize you know even if you've got some good work you think's good work that it's hard to get anyone to even read it isn't it
1: it is yeah but I had hope because um I met this girl who she's she was an aerobics teacher um from, in Derby and um, she really really wanted to be um, like a reporter or something you know like a TV kind of presenter who does like those news shows kind mm. of thing and um and she, she was the instructor. And you know, like, when everyone had those, like, headphones on and you were at the front on a stage doing that, at the end of every session, she used to say, I really want to work in TV. If anyone's got any connections or anyone knows anyone, please, you know, come and see me at the end. And then, like, I don't know, like, months later, somebody came up and said, oh, my next-door neighbor's husband works at Carlton TV in, in Birmingham. And, um... And then she got to meet them and she got to do it. And then she got a job at Carlton, you know, eventually. So I was just like, oh, that's what you keep doing. You just, you know, put stuff out there. put, And then eventually, like when you throw enough mud at the wall, something will stick and then you'll meet, a, you know, a connection or something. Um, and it did happen like that. My mate Zubia was working at um, a charity for refugees and somebody on the board was a she said, oh, somebody on the board of my, the, you know, the charity that I'm working on is um, a producer. And that turned out to be Sally Hibbin, who used to be Ken Loach's producer. Um, so I met her and at, uh, at the same time, um, and she gave me a script um, reading job so I could read scripts because she couldn't really get them on the internet then. And I didn't know what they looked like. So I started reading those scripts. And then I saw an advert in Nottingham for... Um, looking for short film scripts to make into short films. And um, that's when I realised I was aiming too high. So I was just like, oh, yeah, I should start with small. So uh, I think the first year I sent something in and didn't get anywhere. Um, And then the second year it came round again. So I submitted then um, a short film, which was Lady Margaret, and got through it. Um, so that's, that's how it all started.
2: I'm interested, Debs, because that's, that's the kind of appeal and the allure of writing as it were. And of course you are a writer and director. So did you always plan to direct yourself or were you thinking, or was that something new that was just presented to you at the time?
1: Yeah, no, that was just presented to me at the time. Um, I did know about Shane Meadows who was from Burton and I knew that he was making his own mm. stuff. But I I kind of, like, I'm ashamed of this, but I kind of thought, oh, that's what boys do. You know, it's like, oh, that's what they do on their scrambling bikes. They, you know, it's not a girls thing. Um, but then at the end of this development process with this script, um, Paul Welsh, who was the exec at the time at EM Media, um, said, oh, you've got a green light. And um, and I thought I was going to get paired up with a director because that's what, It's appeared that happened the year before or in Mm. previous years, and uh, and he was like, Oh, no, you're gonna direct it. And I was like, I I don't know what a director does, I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, and he was like, Well, you write like a director, so you know, here's your chance to go and find out. And um, so I absolutely shit myself. (laughs) And um, (laughs) but my dad had died like three days before I got the call saying that I'd gone through, um. So I was kind of in that kind of hyper hyper surreal like norm weird space that you are, you know, when you're like reeling from shock and um and also because of you know my dad dying, you I, I was kind of aware of immortality and and I was just like, what well, like, well, you know the worst things happen, my dad's died, and also we're all gonna die, so I may as well just have a go um."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I agreed to it and then thought, God, what have I done? And um and it was, I think, you know, probably one of the worst weeks of my life. Because it was just so awful. I didn't know what I was doing. I was so out of my depth. I was literally like shaking uh with fear. And you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. All I did know is like what what the characters, you know the scripty stuff like what the characters want you know what who they are and all that kind of stuff anything technical I still don't really know um we got a really good great editor great DOP um because there weren't that many short films being made then because it was just the start of digital and um somehow the film ended up you know with a lot of people's input ended up getting me and Tina, the producer of screenish National Stars of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, then I felt like a complete fraud. I was like, one, I don't deserve to be here because I'm a bag of shit. And two, that was so scary. I don't want to do it ever, ever, ever again. I just want to be a writer in my bed, in my pyjamas, with no bra on. <laughs> um,
0: but what were you so, doing? what were you doing sort of day to day at that? Time Debs, because that's sort of when you first like when me and Danny first were aware that's what we were talking about that 2006 2007 time,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And um, like I was doing a lot of kind of corporate videos at that time, that was my life back then, and sort of writing, don't know, like at the weekends, you know, spare time kind of writer. Um, uh, what was your kind of situation? Were you sort of trying to fit this filmmaking? writing around all these other demands on your time was that easy was that tough uh
1: no because i think by that time i was script editing so i was doing that right. and um i'd i'd been working um in an internet company like a dot com thing but i'd had kind of like a bit of a breakdown so i ended up having um, spending a year in a kind of hospital having a breakdown. So really I was kind of recovering from that. And I think that was part of the fear of like doing the directing. It's just like, I'm I'm gonna have another breakdown. I can't do this. I'm too fragile. I'm gonna fall back down that greasy pole into that black hole and not get out of it. And I think all the time I was making my shorts because I was so scared of them. They were kind of triggering and and that's what I was scared of. I was like I'm scared I'm gonna go back there. I'm gonna go back there. And, Mm. you know, even now I worry about it, I worry about it with Pincushion, but I just try and use that fear and, um, to channel it into my writing and my directing, um, because I think that you can't, you can't let that fear control you, um... And, you know, we're only here once and I don't want to look back on my life when I'm in my nursing home at 92 and think, oh, I wish I'd have been, you know, more brave. And, um, and I always bang on about this, but in that Three Kings movie, uh, George Clooney says, you don't get the confidence and then do the thing. You do the thing and it gives you the confidence. And I found that time every over and over again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this is, sorry, this is turning into like, Podcast about fear, not about yeah. writing. No, I, I, <laughs> I
0: think a lot of the. That's what we like to get into because it's like it's sometimes the unwritten side of it. So there'd be a lot of write, writers that are listening to this that will 100% identify with what you're saying or parts of it, you know, will be completely applicable to their life and their emotions. But we so rarely kind of talk about that because the other side of it is. But what's presented to people is all that glossy stuff that we started talking about the stars of tomorrow, the BAFTA nomination, the get, oh, I've done a feature, or I've oh, directed a short. You know, and that's what's sort of presented yes. to the world. That's what's on your CV. That's yeah. what's on your agent's CV, which kind of looks like a, yeah. you know, a right old glowing list of things, you know? And that's all maybe we, all, we see about <clears throat> other people, other writers that we maybe admire.
1: But it's, it's that Instagram thing, like. Mm. Um... Everyone looks like they've got a perfect body, but the reality is that, you know, they're full of stretch marks and fat like all of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All our CVs are photoshopped, you know, in that way. They don't talk about the tough, yeah. tough times. I mean, let's, um, I've just got one eye or two eyes on the time. Um, let, let's, let's talk about that jump to pincushion, because actually what I remember, I think the last time the three of us were talking, in person, I think. In person was before Pincushion. And to take you back to that, you were like, I don't know if, it's, if a feature's ever going to happen. You were, ve- you were very kind of down on, it, on a feature happening at all. And then it was like one yeah. year later or something, the movie was out. And me and Danny were like, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. I know. What happened here? So it must have happened. It must have turned around quite quick in the end.
1: Yeah. You know, I think because we'd been on features and we got booted off that. Um, which was, you know... With a different movie. Devastating.
0: Or with the same? Sorry? No, with, with different... the same one. Same one. Right, okay.
1: Yeah, so Pincushion got booted off, and I think that was after when I saw you, and I was mm. just like, this is never going to get made. So I was trying to write something that I could make on a no budget, and also, also, at the same time, I was going to car boots and charity shops and buying, you know, stuff for Pincushion and putting it in my mum's garage um because I thought if I can do this on you know no budget then I'm just gonna do it with you know my iPhone and whatever. Um but but then the BFI uh stepped in actually and said, you know, come and do it with us with um with a bigger budget as well. So um so I did that but bought I think I think I'd been listening to too many notes and execs and you know, sales agents and all the rest of it. And I think with eye features, I was trying to fancy, fancy it up and go for the bums on seats and try and make it like a teen movie. And um, when uh, the BFI, Lizzie Frankie said to me, you know, this has changed from your original idea, which I'd actually written while she was still at EM Media. And then she'd gone to the film council. So she, um, and then which turned into the BFI. So she knew the original mm. treatment from 2008. Um, and she said, you know, if this is the way that you want to go, then, you know, we'll support you, but go away for six months and have a think about what you really want to do. And then because I was too ashamed of that treatment, because I'd been on Binger in Amsterdam with it. And they said, Oh, it's too plotty. We don't even understand it. We can't follow it. Um, I'd kind of, um gone the other way with it and then made it like no plot no story no nothing and then gone to i features and then tried to commercialize it and so it was kind of like a bag of mm. nothing it, you know it lost itself um so i showed gavin Humphreys, my producer the original treatment and he was just like this is great you know you let's go with this and if, if that's what you want and I was like oh god yeah because I'd always felt that that was the one but I was too ashamed of it and even when I was doing the other incarn- you know the carnations of it I was thinking I was kind of I knew that I was betraying myself but I was just like so determined to mm. make a film um, to feel good about myself <laughs> um, and to feel valuable that I um I would have li- literally you know done anything but it's a big list, lesson that I learned there is that actually trust your original self, trust your belly, go with your instinct because that's, that's, you know, that spoke to you for in the beginning and hopefully it will it speak to other people.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sometimes things can get overdeveloped very quickly. Um, mm. So there's something in it that they liked that then sort of, that there, that was then ruined in the development and then it got kicked off. It's kind of, ironic that the development can sometimes take it the wrong way and, and destroy the original kind of crystal of a beautiful idea at the centre, you know, and it yeah. ends up kind of um, pulled in different directions, maybe by different people as well. Somebody who thinks it should be coming of age, someone who thinks yeah. it should be young adult, you, you, you know, and then you end up with something that's a bit, something of nothing almost.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Sa- sounds, um, like, yeah. sounds like
0: what happened a little bit
1: yeah and i 'm trying to learn from that i 'm trying to now, now think when because i 'm in development with you know three three or four different things and and i I keep trying to learn that lesson it 's like hold on what to so now i don 't touch my notes for at least two weeks or two months if I can so i don 't feel mm. emotional about them and then it's like and then I look at them now i 'm like so i don 't feel like swayed i 'm mm. not writing for somebody or you know, to for an you know to please somebody or for an audience or whatever, or I, you know, I'm like, what do I want to do? What does my belly tell me about this? Um, so I, I'm trying to do that much more. And, um,
0: and what what do you think so, of those those? Uh, you know, I was uh, I was looking at yeah, you're right. There's kind of four things listed that you're attached to in in sort yeah. of development stages. What do you think is going to be the next one? Do you know yet what your next? Um, story is going to be that we're going to be able to, to see. Do
1: you know what? I've got no idea. And also, I think, you know, COVID has probably changed mm. people's mm. appetite. So it's
2: mm. which
1: one's more suitable. I'm doing a children's musical uh, for BBC Films. And I'd really like that to be the next one because I think, you know, we've got an appetite for joy at the moment.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and. But, you know, it's a musical, so I've not done that before. So I've got a lot of learning and I am doing a lot of learning. So I don't know how, how, whether that's, you know, that's going to be the one that's ready. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I really don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm on draft two, I think, of, I'm on draft two of a horror and I'm just coming down to draft two of, to an adaptation and, um, the musical, so, so I don't, I don't know, and it also it's kind of not up to me. It's up to who's giving them the money, and if they give the money, and um,
0: wow, you know, all I
1: can do is try my hardest with my bit, and then hope that um, things come together.
0: Yeah, what would you kind of uh, just as we kind of get towards the end, what would you, what would your advice be from your? older wiser maybe wiser self now to that writer starting off that creative writer didn't know if they wanted to be an english teacher or a poet or if you could go Or when you were just starting your first scripts you know what would be your advice to yourself back then
1: it would be listen to your belly um Don't worry about it being perfect. Just get something down and then you've got something to work with. And also it's like, don't look outside to what other people have done and then try and replicate it. Like you are, we're all each other's. We're all our own gold mine. Mm -hmm. And I've found that the more specific, even if you're, you know, you're writing about Rod Stewart who broke his leg. If you've you know, broke your leg once, then you know what it feels like. You know, it doesn't, it's those emotions, if you've what we've all have, you know, but we're all our own gold man, so just tap into that. And also, I would say, work on things that are still puzzling you or you're struggling with or whatever and put them into other characters because then you can, you know, then it feels authentic because it feels, you know, people identify with within themselves. And the more specific you are, I think the more universal you are as well so i would just say dive into yourself glue yourself to your idea be bold make a splash um and value you know value yourself for whatever experience you've had you know you're the only person who's this you know you're you unique though there's not another one of you there's never gonna be another one of you so you know mine yourself does that yeah. make sense
2: it do, yeah yeah
0: yeah I mean yeah it does make sense. i mean what's your kind of what's your writing process almost for dealing with with that because when you when you're thinking about do your ideas happen in a very organic manner i suppose is what I mean like myself and Danny have got ourselves almost like a not a routine but we're we're building a methodology of how we start sort of new ideas and
1: are you. Know, yeah?
0: sort of develop them together, you know, we've got a kind of almost a little pattern now that we try and shake up every now and again just to, yeah. to get anything getting stale. But I would imagine, but I'm putting words in your mouth, that you're much more of an organic writer where you might start almost doodling with ideas and see how characters grow. Am I right or wrong about that?
1: Um, I don't really know how, I, you know, what... Something, yeah, something will spring to me, but... um I think if I haven't got any ideas that come to, come to me, you know, it's like ideas come to me when I'm washing the pots or mm-hmm. I'm in the shower or walking or, you know, it's that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, or watching a film. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, I love those bits. It's like that dopamine hit. Um, but I think if I didn't really know what to write about, I would, like, sit down and write, make a list of things that still trouble me or things that... I, um, things that to do with emotions it's like what in my life made me that still makes me laugh and made me laugh once or what what am i still frightened of what you know what what are my fears with relationships or you know and and then just start from there because then i think it's starting from a real place rather than mm. you know walking down the street and thinking oh i'm going to write a story about that tree but you know if i don't know if if you you know somebody broke fell from it and died, then you know it's got a, and it, you know it was your cat. Then you've got a different relationship, and then I could write about that tree. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, well that's that's for all you people of the lovers of the tree genre out there. Some uh, top tips <laughs> there to make sure you keep brunt, branching out. Uh, anything anything to 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 add on, uh, Danny, in the last few minutes.
2: Uh, Well, let me tell people about Pincushion, because we haven't really spoken about what it's about. Um, Just true. Obviously, it's still available uh, to rent or stream at your favourite outlet, but it's a really bold debut from um, Debs. uh, If I can pitch it accurately, Debs, is it like um, a dark fairy tale kind of thing, Uh, kind of a disjointed, quirky, oddball mother and daughter who move to a new town to try and kind of... Uh, start a new life and they pretend to each other that life is going well. The teenage girl at school, uh, Joanna Scanlon, the mum, kind of doing her yes. best to get by. Yes. But their lives yes. are really falling apart um, and they they should, kind of, if they only confided in, in each other a bit more, their lives might yep. have turned a bit di- differently. <laughs> it's a, it's a really bold um, and brilliant and, all, and I'm, I'm reluctant to say beautiful because it is kind of, it gets dark and it gets emotional, but um, uh, it's just fantastic, Deb, so well done. Uh, I'm oh, interested, thank you. Uh, uh, I'm interested in the BFI. It's interesting, mm. you know, you went back to your original vision for it and for them to yes. su- support you through that original vision, I think is kudos to them. And I'm, But I'm interested in the editorial process or challenge that they might have given you because myself and Tim, we just make our own stuff, and we only report to each other. We've had mm. we've had to report to somebody on our latest film, which is like, what you want changes? What? <laughs> so <laughs> how dare so, you? Yeah, yeah. So well done, BFI. But if um, we might run out of time, as if you have anything to say on it. But um, you know, well, fair dues to the BFI for going back to the original vision for it. Really. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I mean it is great, but I still had challenges. You know, like with people challenged it then, even when I was developing it. Um, So, um, because I kind of developed it with Network, with Creative England, with Celine Haddad, who was fantastic. um, And Kate Lees, the script editor. So, you know, there was still bumps, but but it was just great to have that, you know, that permission to go back to the original, core of the idea
0: yeah all right well we'd better pull it all together there otherwise we'll just be cut off and it'll be really, really, cut off. really cut off. so zoom zoom so uh <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll say we'll say we'll say goodbye and we'll say to people listen out for the uk script writers podcast on itunes look out for me and danny nelson nutmeg pictures we're kind of working under now so look out for nelson nutmeg nelson nutmeg Pictures. On Twitter and Facebook, the UK Scriptwriters Podcast Facebook group, always very busy on there, lots of great advice. So, you know, keep these chats going, get involved, leave some comments about what Debs has been talking about, and uh, check out her career on IMDb. Anything to add, Danny? That's it, it's less than a few seconds, I think. Okay, well, take it, take it easy, listeners, and we'll catch you in the future.